Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arse Blog Arsecast right here on arseblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well, hope everything is fine and dandy wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this. Thank you as ever for tuning in and thank you for, thank you for, I don't know what else for. I guess only thank you for tuning in, which is enough, is it not? I don't need to thank you for other things. Don't think so, anyway. I mean, I can if you want. If there's anybody out there who thinks that they should be thanked for something beyond listening or tuning in or downloading or streaming this podcast, please feel free to get in touch. And, you know, I'll consider it on a case-by-case basis. But the rest of you, wherever you are, I hope everything is well. We have an Arsecast this week because, well, there's Arsenal. Last week, there was no Arsenal. We had the Arsecast Extra on Monday. But because of the international break, because of the interlull, it was all a bit quiet. And because it was Easter weekend and bank holiday, and all kinds of stuff. It was Good Friday uh, last Friday, which wasn't a great Friday in general. It was a fairly mediocre Friday. Not that I'm trying to make a case here for the Advertising Standards Authority or anything. I'm just saying that it wasn't the best Friday ever. And part of that was because we didn't have any Arsenal the next day. But tomorrow we do have Arsenal the next day. If this is Friday when you're listening to this or if you're listening to it on Saturday, it's today. And if you're listening to it after Friday or Saturday... Well, you know, you need to you need to quit living in the past, man. It's all done. It's all whatever. All the relevance of this particular podcast is now it's gone. Shelf life of these uh, sports podcasts, of course, is is minimal. The minute the match takes place, it's all over and done with, really. And then you've got to wait for the next one when we talk about it. But look, the interlull was on, and um, in this side of the world, in this part of the world, there were a lot of international friendlies, which we view as. Uh, annoying and frustrating and perhaps a little bit unnecessary but I suppose with the European Championships coming up during the summer uh, managers want to play around dicky around with their teams and you know see if they can work out formations and systems and things that work but elsewhere in the world there were international uh, World Cup qualifiers there were African Cup of Nations qualifiers that's right Alex Iwobi who made his debut for Nigeria, played twice for them in the international break. Unfortunately for him and for Nigeria, he won't be going to the African Cup of Nations uh, in 2017, next January and February. But from a purely Arsenal point of view, I guess we can be happy about it. Perhaps the uh, many Nigerian Arsenal fans won't be that happy about it. But the rest of us, if Iwobi continues to make progress, will be glad that he won't be jetting off uh, to play in a, a tournament in the middle of the season. However, Nigeria were playing Egypt. And Egypt put paid to Nigeria's uh, chances of qualifying for the tournament. And that means Mohamed Elneny will be going to the African Cup of Nations in uh, January and February next year. So that's something we're, we're going to have to deal with. That was, that was good for him. And what else happened? Um, I don't know. Not much of any great consequence. Nothing that we should really be worrying about for this particular podcast during the interlull. Gary Shandling died. I don't know if uh, that's a name that all of you would be familiar with, but he was a comedian and a really uh, excellent comedian. He had a fantastic show called the uh, the Larry Sanders Show. He was a talk show host in it, and he did like stuff like talking to the camera and, and all that kind of thing. But uh, it was brilliant, really kind of groundbreaking in terms of uh, television comedy, and I was a big fan, and uh, it was sad that he died. And if you're a fan of the uh, Mark Maron podcast, uh, WTF, you can hear an interview that he did with him Back in 2011, it was well worth checking out because uh, he's a very funny, very interesting guy. And I really like this bit as I was listening to it. It just sort of struck a chord with me in terms of 
you know, life in general, life online, talking about football, talking about Arsenal, talking about everything. The clamor of noise, the clamor of content that's coming at us from all angles uh, in all kinds of different formats and all our devices that there's no escape from it. And people with opinions, always, always, always with opinions. And I don't know, sometimes the people with opinions are, they just want to make sure that you hear their opinion. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I thought this bit was quite interesting. Yeah. That there, there are moments on the Larry Sanders show where it would just be uh, you and Rip, uh, you know, standing there by camera, you know, watching something on the monitor, and then you know maybe looking away. Or look, but I mean, they would hold for like twenty seconds or thirty well, seconds because the 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 truth actually is in the silence. That's right. So we come back to the other problem yeah. in life: is people are afraid to have a silent moment like that there. And in that silence right there is all the truth and all the wisdom in the world. Yeah, I almost cried during those. Sure, you got to stop fucking talking. Everybody's fucking talking, jumping up and giving their opinion too quickly. Right. I mean, you can't exist online or, or, uh, or anything like that without that striking some sort of a chord with you, right? Because it's true. I'm part of that. I mean, I get that completely that I write something every day about Arsenal. Well, most of the time it's about Arsenal. Most of the time, I think where I, you know, take a break is during the intervals where I can uh, write stuff that isn't necessarily about Arsenal or tangentially about Arsenal or not about Arsenal at all. And that's where I get my sort of quiet moments. Those are my moments of silence. Those are my truths, I guess, in a weird way. But there you go. Um, That was Gary Shandling. Uh, and you can check out the episode if you want. If you go to wtfpod.com and go to the episode list, uh, it's uh, it's uh, one of the latest ones. It's been uh, it's been republished. I recommend it. Right. What else happened? Oh, I got an email from William Jones. William Jones took the time to email me, and I thank him very much indeed. Thank you, William. Dear Arsblog, he says, you are a cunt. Just wanted to let you know. Regards, William. Regards, I like it. No cheers, no up yours, no best wishes. Yours sincerely, yours faithfully. No, regards. Almost, almost up there with best regards. Because when regards aren't enough, what do you do? You give your, your best regards. But it was nice of him to take the time to sit down at his computer. In farewell, in fairness, could have done it on his phone. He could be bored on the bus or something like that. What will I do? I think I'll email Arsbog and call him a cunt. No, tell him he is a cunt, just in case I didn't know. I mean, I do wonder if he was um, you know, trying to do me a solid, do me a favor here. Perhaps William Jones has been wondering if I knew if I was a cunt or not. Maybe this has plagued him for days, weeks, months. Who knows? He must know. There's William sitting at home. He must know, absolutely. Yeah, there's no question. He knows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how could he not know? He seems pretty self-aware. He must know, yeah, yeah. But what if he doesn't? Jesus. That little voice in his head. What if he doesn't know? You should tell him. Tell him. Tell him. He needs to know. I mean, I think people would want to know if they were a cunt and didn't know about it. How are you supposed to change? How are you supposed to get better? How are you supposed to improve yourself in this world? 
But it's not your job to help him improve, William. You're just a guy sitting on a bus or on the bog having a poo with your phone. You don't need to tell him. You've no responsibility to this man. Yeah, but I feel like he, I feel like he should know. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to type that email. I'm going to do it. Don't do it, William. Don't do it. He do, you know, leave it alone. What if he replies back? Says that you're a cunt and you didn't know that you were a cunt. But you know you're a cunt, William. Anyone that would send an email to another person to tell them that they're a cunt must be a cunt themselves. In the end, temptation was too much for William Jones. He had to do it. And I hope if he's listening, which I assume he isn't, I hope he feels better. Because, you know, I want the world to be a happier place for everyone. And if that means emailing me and telling me what I am, whether I know or not, then I'm okay with that. I'm happy to be the the conduit for another person's happiness and mental well-being. So, um, cheers, William Jones. You're a pal. But, as they say, one man's meat is another man's poison to each their own and a little of what you fancy and all that kind of stuff. Can't please all of the people all of the time. A stitch in time gathers no moss. That's the one. That's the one that really sums up my life, let me tell you. So look, what's going to go on on this particular podcast? I don't know because you know what's happened is that I did have uh, somebody lined up and unfortunately they couldn't do it. Uh, And then I got somebody else lined up to do it. And then at the last minute, they couldn't do it. Life gets in the way and I'm not judging. I'm not being critical in any way. I'm just saying that, you know, the best laid plans of, of mice and mice and I don't know, chinchillas is the best laid plans of mice and chinchillas. I don't know. So two people have pulled out, and my plans are awry. They're awry. But I'm, uh, I'm scrabbling around, and uh, I'll, I'll find somebody to talk to. I will. Because I'm recording this bit a little bit earlier. And then what I normally do is I, I sort of segue into the guests as if it was live. So I'll say, and now we're going to talk to blah, even though I might have recorded that uh, at a completely different time. I'm giving away the secrets of the podcast here. I'm just saying that right now, I don't know what's going to happen. But we will look ahead to the game against Watford. Uh, those uh, pesky Watford guys, we're playing them at the weekend. And we'll look ahead to what's going to happen in the Premier League and what's going to happen in these last games. So maybe what we should do is just take a little bit of interlude music as if during this particular music, I was out finding people to appear on the podcast. And when we come back, I should have some guests. I think that's a good idea. Let's do it. We're back, and I've got guests. That's right, guests. Yes, plural guests. Not just one. 
I went out in the space of that piece of music and got two people to come in and talk about Arsenal and stuff and things. So let's get on with it. First up, from We Are The North Bank and North Bank Law, it's James. Good evening to you. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And it's great to welcome back our old friend from Gunnerholic.com. It is Gunnerholic. Hello there. Evening, blogs. Thanks for inviting me again. My pleasure. Now, let's um, let's start, if we will. I, you know, sometimes there's a danger that things like this can get a little bit mawkish or over-sentimental or something like that. But I think the 15-year anniversary of the death of David Rowcastle deserves a mention on this podcast uh, because uh, what a fantastic player he was and what a brilliant man he was by every account that you read of him. Hard to believe that it's been uh, 15 years, Hollick. Yeah, it certainly is. I, I still remember the, the day of the Tottenham game as if it was yesterday, vividly. And I was sitting right next to the Tottenham supporters on that day and uh, fair play to them. They they played their part in a minute's silence. And I think that was the measure of the respect of the man, even from across the other side of the divide, if you like. Everybody appreciated what he'd been through. Um, what had brought about an end to his career and what was a brilliant career as well, potentially, mm. until his knees went. He was just a lovely guy and I'm very lucky to sit a few seats away from uh, his boy Ryan, who's a proper chip off the old block too. <laughs> That's good to know that the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Um, That's right. James, I mean, when we talk about him as a footballer, he was he was amazing to watch, and he was somebody who you could see easily fit into the to the modern day Arsenal. He was that good. He was that much of an athlete. He was that strong, so skillful as well. Um, and if there is a regret, obviously it's that the the knee injuries that he he endured uh, really cut short what should have been a much much more um, prolific career for Arsenal, um, uh, leaving aside the other clubs that he represented. Yeah, absolutely. Um, David Rowcastle was was one of my first Arsenal heroes. Really, um, I, I kind of grew up during the George Graham era. Um, just started to to kind of go to Highbury around uh, late eighties, early nineties, and um, he was just a, a, a huge fan's favourite. Um, I think what what re- really stands out about him from from memories and on the anniversary of his his uh, passing, which is always clear, is uh, the amount of people talk about what a great guy he is, as, as uh, Hollick just just said there, um, but at the same time, anyone who played against him will say what a competitor he was. So I think that's um, you, you don't often hear that 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 whilst um, you know someone was such a dogged competitor on on the pitch, they're also kind of the nicest person you'd meet off of it. I think I think that's quite quite rare that you you kind of hear tales about that. And I think the other thing that that really stood out about Rocky was. Um, in terms of his playing style, was it? It was quite, um, you know, quite Brazilian almost in in the way that he used to sort of get the ball and and, and take defenders on for fun and uh, and with the stepovers. I mean, kids now talk about Ronaldo <laughs> with the stepovers and him being the king of that. Well, really, in this country, um, you know, I, I can't think of, of many other players before Rocky that that used to do the the, the kind of the stepover and the double stepover so often. Um, and he, he really was a master of that. Um, and, and also, I think what, what was unusual about him is, is is kind of his build for a wide player. He was, he was actually, you know, really, really, really strong. But at the same time, being, you know, agile and, and quick and nimble and skillful, um, you know, he, he really did have everything. And, and, and uh, you know, had, had a good career at Arsenal. It's just a bit of a shame that kind of, uh, injuries put paid to that, and, and George Graham decided to uh, 
to kind of cash in on, on an offer when he did. But but looking back, I mean, you only need to um, kind of look look on YouTube and, and look look at some of the footage of the Rowcastle and some of his kind of explosive play with a touch of finesse. You know, to to really see what what a great player he was. And I really mm. would urge younger Gooners to um, to really do a bit of. Do, bit of digging around on on youtube if they haven't seen much of of him just to 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 try and um you know get an idea of, of what, a, what a real great player he was and a, a true talent as well mm, dave i mean he was a guy as well that uh like us was was an arsenal fan he was arsenal through and through and our friend uh paul davis on on twitter this evening is just saying that uh, he's a classmate who lived next door to Rocky and the the story of him arriving home in tears the day he was told he was going to be sold was was a real heartbreaker. And for for all the uh, incredible qualities that he had as a footballer and a man, he he didn't really have any luck, um, you know, because of the injuries that he had. And then obviously because of the illness that um, that cost him his life in the end. But uh, at, at the bottom of it all, he was just a big, big Arsenal fan. Yes, he was, um, and the, the the bunch of them really. You look at the South London boys. There was Mickey Thomas as well. You mentioned Paul Davis. Mm. Ian Wright may not have been an Arsenal fan as a boy, but he certainly became one when he turned up there. <laughs> and uh, I know that he and Rocky got on terrifically well. The the biggest single compliment I could pay David Rowcastle is that you could see him easily walking into the Arsenal side today and he would fit an Arsene Wenger Arsenal team he'd just be the perfect player mm. I mean that, that that was the thing wasn't it the, the ability to put it about a bit as well it, um you know that that strength that he had yeah. and it's not often that players have that that they have this um incredible skill and uh, vision uh, the ability to finish this relentless positivity and you find sometimes that flair players are not necessarily the ones who get involved in uh, the rough and tumble but he was a guy who did that as well he was the first one to arrive if anything kicked off (laughs) you're absolutely right Bless him. Oh, well, look, 15 years and uh, only 33 years of age. Um, you know, very sad. And uh, I think we should all just, you know, sometimes it's worth stepping back uh, and taking a moment to realize how lucky we are to be doing this. So um, it was a big privilege to have seen him. Mm, absolutely. So, look, um, James, we've got Premier League football back this weekend after what has been uh, a pretty long international break, or certainly it feels like a long international break. And the table is kind of mad when you look at it. Leicester City are 11 points ahead of us. They've got seven games to play. We've got 11 ga- or eight games to play. Uh, so there is uh, the possibility of, of uh, getting three points back there. Um, the way I look at it, and I don't know if you would agree or not, but Arsenal have to f- uh, face these last eight games as if a miracle might happen, as if something ridiculous and unexpected and ludicrous might happen to Leicester's form, that it goes through the toilet. Uh, and that's the way that they've got to approach these games, just in case. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously we're praying that that they drop points um I'm just looking at their fixtures now, and it's, they're quite friendly. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, I can see Spurs uh, dropping points over the next few weeks. I mean, whether they'll uh, they've got sort of four out of the five next next games are, are, are pretty tough. I mean, you'd almost say it's as tough as they come. Um, but um, in terms of Leicester, yeah, as you say, they, look, they do look pretty pretty friendly and. 
and the other thing, of course, is that they're not, you know not in the FA Cup anymore. Um, you know they they haven't played any European football all season. I think they got knocked out pretty early the the League Cup as well. So you know whilst he hasn't, um, you know he he really sticks with the the main core of the team. Um, I, I don't think there's there's you know any tired legs there. Um, also to factor in, I'm not sure how many internationals or how many players have had away on the international break, but. Um, you know, you, you could probably guarantee that it's not as many as we've had, for mm. example. Um, so I think that's a huge factor. The the, the fact that, that these players are still pretty fresh at this uh, time of the season, um, you know, compared to us, and you know, we're um, we're always sort of flagging really from injuries and and hoping to get players back, but it, it does look too little, too late, really. Unfortunately, um, mm. we do kind of need a miracle I think uh, as you say um, I, th- I think that um, the Everton win was really encouraging um, the injection of, of, of pace and, and extra spark up front with Welbeck and, and Awobi is uh, hopefully has rejuvenated us to, to go on a run um, and, and we absolutely need that I mean I think um, you know, if we're going to win it, we can't really afford to drop any points. I don't think. Um, just looking at Leicester's fixtures. No, we, I mean we've got to win all our games. It's one game at yeah. a time territory for us. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, Dave. Just to, on the the issue of fresh legs. Obviously, we've had injury problems, and the squad has been stretched a bit at times throughout this season. But uh, mentioning Danny Welbeck, mentioning Alex Iwobi, uh, two guys who haven't really played a huge amount this season at all. That really does seem to have brought something into uh, into the forward line that not necessarily has been missing, but just maybe at this point of the season, adding something a bit different has made us, uh, A, a bit fresher and, and B, a bit less predictable as well. Yeah, I'd agree with every word of that. I thought at the last game against Everton, we were looking as good as we have done since October or something like that. Uh, and like you say, the the fresh players, Iwobi, we saw in the FA Cup that he could play, that he could pass, that he could instigate things. And uh, for him to add a goal to that as well up at Everton was was great. And Danny Welbeck... He is different to Giroud. Giroud, I think, is still our most complete all-round centre-forward, but he's a tired, tired man. He looks a tired player at the moment, whereas Danny comes on. Might not be as good with his back-to-goal as Giroud, but we don't need him in that. When you've got Iwobi, who's able to put balls in between defenders rather than, hopefully, we're getting people wide and thumping balls into the middle. So, no, I think it's it's slightly changed the way that we play. The way that we looked against Everton is, let's face it, we've got to play like that for the rest of the season. You're quite right that we need to win all eight games. I think if, if we do win all eight, then we do stand a chance because you look at Leicester's last two away games are Manchester United and Chelsea. We would need them to slip up to one surprising defeat other than that. Um, but I must admit, I'm, I'm quite confident they might lose three, but I'm not as confident we'll win eight. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where I stand on the thing. It, it, it seems inevitable, or it would be really surprising to me if Leicester didn't have some kind of wobble uh, between now and the end of the season. They haven't really had one all season long. And even even title winning sides tend to have a little a little moment or two or a game or two that doesn't go their way. So it would be surprising to me if they didn't. The issue, of course, is whether or not we can win eight games in a row, and we haven't done that this season. I think the most 
in all competitions is five, and I don't know what our Premier League record is. It's certainly not eight. Uh, so, so that's the big challenge. Um, James, I mean, does Iwobi keep his place for you? Because there are other players in this squad, more illustrious players, Theo Walcott, for example, Olivier Giroud, who could be accommodated at his expense. Or, um, you know, is it a case that he's come in, he's done well, he's brought something new to the side, uh, and as such deserves to, to keep his place at the manager is picking his team based on performance rather than, than hierarchy. Yeah, and no, I get out. There's no way that uh, Walcott or Giroud deserve to, to come in ahead of this lad, the, the way he's played and kind of taking his chance um, by the scruff of the neck. And that's that's really what, what you want to see. You, you, you want to see that almost, you know, passion and, and will to perform. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying for, that Walcott isn't trying or or Giroud isn't trying, but, um, you, you know, it's in, in terms of application. And, you know, there's been many games where I don't think they've applied themselves well at all, especially Theo, uh, kind of looks a little lost sometimes and you, you almost want to want to shake him. Uh, but, um, <laughs> in terms of Awabi, I think he's um, he is a breath of fresh air and it, it couldn't have come at a better time in the season. Um, they, they've, they've thought a lot of him, um, you know, for, for the last three years and a few years and, and wanted to... Um, kind of get him into the first team surroundings uh, that's why you haven't seen him go out on loan because uh, you know Finger obviously really believes in his talent and uh, and I think it's, it's evident there um, what what seems to be most um, appealing to me is, is that he seems he seems to like decisions at the right time quite a lot of the times um, whereas for ex- Oxlade-Chamberlain is, is a, a perfect example the amount of times he makes the wrong decision you know and as fans you can see that and you just think ah oh, you know what why are you passing that inside why don't you take him on or or why are you taking you know you, you know you've already beat a defender why don't you get the ball in or you know or, or his crossings terrible as it has been for most of the season um but in terms of Awabi, he seems to um you know not all the time he does give the ball away but he, he does seem to to kind of know when to dribble and know when to release the ball or play one touch football at, at the right times, and 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 it's really pleasing to see as as well as his strength. I mean, um, he, he really is a strong lad, isn't he? Mm. There's no way that any any defenders are kind of you know roughing him up, which is which is really good to see. And he seems to have a really level head on his shoulders as well. Mm. I think what was a really interesting point for me was a couple of weeks ago, James uh, from Gunnerblog were doing the Arscast Extra. And he was talking about how the senior players in the side don't have any problem with giving him the ball. And you can see sometimes um, with certain players, or perhaps if certain players aren't in the form that they should be or or playing as well as they should be, you can see them being ignored at times where Mm. a player will say, "Mm, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to pass it to him because I don't know where it's going to go when it ends up at his feet. But with Iwobi, there's, you know, there's real trust in him from these guys. And perhaps that comes from obviously the fact he's been training with them week in, week out. And and he's been, he's been, uh, he's been there on the training ground. They can see obviously that he's got the quality. Yeah, I think I totally agree, and, and I, I think we saw the same last season with Bellerin. Um, you know, you know, the, the players just weren't afraid to to give him the ball at any opportunity because you know they they know that the quality is there and um, the confidence is there, um, and, and you know these these two lads have got real good heads on their shoulders, as I say, and, and almost. Um, I keep going back to Oxley Chamberlain, but but he's almost been the opposite over the last couple of seasons. He's gone back backwards massively. I know injuries have played a part in that, but 
uh, I find it quite strange his decision making on the pitch at times, especially given that he's such an intelligent lad mm. off the pitch. Um, so I think in terms of Iwobi uh, and Bellerin, they've just applied themselves brilliantly. Um, uh, and obviously the, the other players recognise that and know their quality, um, playing with them day in, day out and, and aren't afraid to, to to use them when the opportunity is there. So, so mm. it's great to see. just want to go back to, if I can really quickly, yeah. just go back to Leicester's fixtures. I think if there might be a wobble, it might be at the weekend. The only reason I say that is because Southampton are a bit of, um, you know, you, you never know what Southampton team's almost going to turn up, especially away from home. Their away form is terrible um, before Christmas. But if you look at the, the away wins they've had, they beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge uh, and United at Old Trafford. OK, I know this season that, that may not be, um, you, you know, a huge feather in their cap. But Well, we couldn't uh, do it. Well, yeah, exactly that. And and they also, I think they won at, at Swansea, which isn't, again, perhaps this season, it's been a bit easier to play there, but it's not always the easiest place to go. I think they went at Stoke as well. I think they might have won at Stoke. So, they're at uh, home to Swansea, by the way. Oh, they're at home. Sorry, it's the Stoke yeah. game I'm thinking of. So they, they beat Stoke away, um, which is, you know, you know, as we know, no me feet. So I think if there might be a wobble, I'm, I'm praying that it might be at the weekend. Mm. Um because after that, you know, Sunderland away, okay, they're away, but Sunderland are pretty terrible, even though they're scrapping for points. Um, and then to, well, West Ham, I suppose, might be a bit tricky at home, but Swansea at home, you'll, um, I think they'll win that comfortably. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if there's going to be a wobble, I'm hoping it is this weekend praying more yeah we'll keep we'll keep our fingers crossed and obviously the Sunderland game uh, which was all set up for Emmanuel Abue to uh, to, <laughs> to score the winning goal against Leicester okay, won't happen anymore Holly because yeah. he's, he's he's not paying his agent what a strange man he is <laughs> yeah very odd very very odd yes indeed well I wasn't I wasn't going to talk to you about uh, Emmanuel Abue we've been there done that and worn that particular yeah. t-shirt fucking far too many times let gonna... him off the podcast yeah <laughs> I was going to ask you about the midfield partnership, um, Coquelin and El Nenny, uh, perhaps one that that's been stumbled upon a little bit because of injuries, because of people who are absent. Uh, Ramsey's gone, Casorla's uh, out, Wilshire's out, obviously uh, Arteta, Flamini all out. So the manager has had a little choice but to put the two of them together. But from what we saw at Everton, if we're going to talk about encouraging signs uh, up front with Welbeck and Iwobi, then we've got to look at those two in the midfield as as a duo that that obviously we need to see a bit more of, but. Uh, there's clearly some potential there. Absolutely agree. Um, And it was so needed by Francis Cochrane as well, because since he's come back, he'd looked as though he was struggling a little bit for confidence or or just that little something. But uh, it came flowing back into him. The two of them look very good. And I think what it is, El Nenny is probably the closest player we've got, not in stature, but in style to Santi Cazorla, because he does like to get the ball, quickly look up, play it play it forwards if he can he doesn't mind getting bombing on to support the attack as well um, but he'll get himself back he doesn't mind doing his fair share of duties alongside Coquelin so that does have a look at uh, it brings a bit of balance to us and I hope that that stays it it's got to work for another few games yet hasn't it but mm. the signs were at Everton very very good indeed 
I think that's another shrewd purchase. Yeah, it looks like it. I mean, obviously, he's going to be somebody that goes away next January, February for the uh, African Cup of Nations. So we'll have to, I mean, midfield's an area of this team that really needs a rebuild come the summer in a big, big way. Uh, but yeah, I mean, perhaps, you know, we'll see, the, we're, we're seeing the benefits of him coming in in January. I think he was probably earmarked as a summer purchase. And he's getting these extra few months under his belt. So maybe for next season, you know, he's really well and truly bedded in. And I think El Nenny and uh, and Iwobi are definitely the start of that rebuilding. You have to look there and say, well, there's going to be no Rosicki or Arteta next season, surely. Or Flamini, those probably. Two replaced. And then I suppose you've got to go and look and say, well, if you get good money coming in for Jack, for example, with his ankle... Do you take that and go and look for a replacement for him? Um, whether that's a step too far, I don't know. I would, I would consider it myself, quite frankly. Would you? Yeah. Mm. Do you think? I mean, do you think there'd be a, the, anybody out there who would take the risk based on what we would probably want for him as a player? I think Manchester City probably might because they're going to have to splash the cash big time this summer. Ah, yeah, um, but I don't want Jack because, Wilshire going playing for Pep Guardiola and then being fit. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't <laughs> fucking have that. <laughs> I, I think that's a gamble you take. I, I yeah. don't see Jack being fit for a seat for a season, any season coming up. Mm. Because you look every time that we we get him back back out on the pitch, then teams take it in turns to rotationally foul him always on that same ankle. Mm. He's going to face that problem for the rest of his career now. I think. Well, I mean, look, I, I, I'm a I'm a big Wilshire fan, and I think um, I love him as a player. Yeah, I mean, my my uh, point on this would be, look, accept the fact that he is probably going to be injured quite a lot, and build your squad to accommodate that. And if he's a if he's fit, and if he's around, and if he can play, then this is a this is a fantastic bonus. And if he doesn't play for another season next year, then maybe you consider what you're going to do with him for for the future. Um, James, uh, what would a what would your thoughts be on on Wilshire in terms of keeping him or trying to move him on this summer? And then we'll talk about the injury thing a little. No, I don't think they'll be they'll be looking to sell. Uh, I really don't. No, I, yeah. Benga loves him. Um, I, I also don't think there'll be any shortage of takers, um, you know, because he, he the, the quality, the class is is there for all to see. Um, I just think it's um, it really is a difficult one because, like you say, if you keep him f- for another season and he say he plays only I don't know worst case scenario sort of ten games next season, that's a hell of a lot of, of money in 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 wages to accommodate a player like that when you think of uh, Diaby as an example um, and and kind of the, the patience that was shown with him um, many would argue wrongly uh, in, in terms of you know, paying him extremely good money um, I'm not saying Arsenal are short of, of money don't get me wrong but mm. uh, I think it is a, a balancing act but at the same time I don't think Arsenal would be you know, you know, listening to any sort of offers for Jack at all. Um, I think he's very much in a part of their plans. I also think that's one factor why you didn't see Arsenal go into the transfer market in in the summer for a midfield player because, on paper, again, and and he's probably alluded to this quite a lot during during press conferences this season. Our midfield was stacked in terms of numbers and in terms of quality but 
if you if you take all of the factors into consideration, i.e., fitness, and the fact that um, you know three of our midfield players were and are over the hill, uh, they're the three that are going to be out of contract in the summer: um, Riziki, Arteta, and, and Flamini. Um, he really should have, you know, brought in, for example, El Nene in in the summer. But I think a lot of that thinking was down to his his school of thought that those three players would play a big part. Um, maybe not one of them throughout the whole season, but I think he was definitely banking on getting at least twenty games out of Arteta, as an example. Yeah. Um, similar for Riziki, and then of course Jack, and you know that injury happening um, on the eve of the, the Charity Shield. Um, you know, hugely in, in Wenger's plans. Whether he would have, you know, played him in a in a, a more deeper role as he does with England, I'm not so sure because I think Wenger said many times he does prefer him in the in the final third and making things happen. But that definitely would have been a possibility if you think to you know Cockerland getting injured if we'd have had a fit Jack Wilshere he could quite have easily have slotted into that position and and played a part alongside um you know Flamini for example and that might have worked a lot better than um say for example when Ramsey was playing next to him so mm. um injuries again have have kind of you know scuppered us but but then given our record Perhaps you know it really was negligence in the summer, but I'll say again that there weren't that many players out there that um, you know real top quality players that were gettable that could um, you know really make a huge difference in that position. I think um, it's the same with, with centre forward as well. Mm. You know, there's a dearth of world class centre forwards as, as there is. I think um, defensive midfielders that you could go out and purchase but right. I mean it looks like we're hopefully going to be doing business early in that position sooner rather than later which is good um, <laughs> well. in terms of Jack um, in terms of Jack that you know the, the plans were there for him to be a huge fundamental part of the team and and, and obviously injury has, has put pay to that again hmm. the injury um, has well I mean he's we've got some good news news for that in the sense that Arsene Wenger said uh, yesterday, Wilshire and Rosicki are back in full training and uh, talking about Wilshire playing in an under-21 game. He said, no, it's his first week back in full training. We'll see how he responds. But the uh, the first signs are quite good. We'll assess our options next week. It was touch and go for a little while, wasn't it? Yeah, it certainly was. Um, uh, he, Jack Wilshire has been feeling discomfort in the area of the leg where there was a, a you know, he's had a plate inserted as part of the operation for the broken leg, um, and uh, you know, they were concerned about that. Uh, even though um, after rumours kind of went around Twitter a few days back, um, uh, one journalist in particular kind of kind of tweeted straight away, but that was. You know, definitely uh, would have had Mark Canella in his ear saying, "Can you please help us out and dumb this down?" And you know, there's you know, and he would have been saying to the press and briefing the press that there was absolutely nothing wrong with 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 Jack and he's on schedule. But um, there definitely was you know some issue there with the plate, and they knew that if that if that has to be um, you know operated on again, then that was definitely a season over. But it looks like um, hopefully. Touchwood that that isn't going to be the case, and and if he can get through, you know, even if it's forty five minutes of an under twenty one game soon, um, continue his, his his fitness and training, and then hopefully we'll we'll, we'll kind of see him off the bench, um, 
you know, you know, before the end of the season. Um, but but it's a, it's a precarious one. It really is just given Jack's history, mm. um, you know, the amount of football he's he's lost at a you know really crucial part of his development, and also um, the toll that it's taken on him. Sure. And as, as uh, Holick rightly said, you know, teams target those weak areas in players that they do you know they'll never admit to it but they 100% do especially when they're playing teams like Arsenal and and it's anything they can do to get some sort of advantage during a game Mm. Holick the other side of that um, or the other uh, person mentioned there was Thomas Rosicki um, and he's back in full training and there were obviously real worries when he uh, picked up the injury that he did that it might be the end of his Arsenal career because it was just so close to the end of the season and he was so visibly distraught and so unhappy and so gutted about this injury having spent the whole season out coming back doing something within 10 minutes of coming on whatever it was um, it, it's great that uh, it looks like uh, we'll be able to see him in red and white again before he leaves the club in the summer that would be absolutely fantastic because I think he would get a, a tremendous reception from everybody at the club because the player that he's been for us and we've sorely missed him actually in the second half of this season, yeah. which is when we could have done with him driving us forward because there's no one more energetic and more gifted like that in, in the side like that. So yes, let's hope we can get him back for the, at least the last home game and give him give him 90 minutes uh, where we can show our appreciation for mm. him. So after... After the Leicester wobble, after they wobble right the fuck off the road, the final game of the season, Jack Wilshire sets up Thomas Rosicki for the winner to win the title. That's what we're saying here, gents. Is that it? Yeah. I have yeah. Three minutes into three <laughs> minutes into four added minutes. How much rum have you had tonight? I'm, I'm just on my second yeah. beer. I know I, I feel sheepish even saying it out loud. But look, gents, <laughs> thanks a million for your company. I appreciate it, and we'll catch up to you soon. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks very much, blogs, and thanks. Uh, see you again, James. Cheers. Take care. Thank you very much indeed to my guests. You can find them on their websites. James is wearethenorthbank.com and on Twitter at NorthBankLore. And Gunnar Holick, it's uh, GunnarHolick.com and of course at TheGunnarHolick on Twitter at TheGunnarHolick. Uh, Skype was doing some weird stuff during that call. I apologize. Nothing I could do about it though, but it did this weird thing. I've never heard it do that before where sometimes you get a little bit of a delay and stuff, but then it, it sped up their voices, right? Did you hear that too? Their voices got a little bit higher and higher as if they were doing a bit helium and what have you, but uh, that was beyond my control. So apologies if there was any weirdness. There seemed to be a bit of sort of backwards time travel shit going on in there, but that's Skype. Nothing to do with me. Right. We're going to look ahead to the uh, Watford game in just a couple of moments time, but first we've got a message from a brand new sponsor. Working all day. No time to look after your pooch. He's down in the dumps. So bring him to Dog Yoga. That's right. Dog Yoga. Dog Yoga. It's the latest craze that's sweeping the nation. Your dog's already a natural. He can do downward-facing dog, upward-facing dog, licking his balls dog, licking his whole dog, the humper, the eat-his-own-vomit, the bite-the-postman, the lotus dog, the barking lunatic, and many more. So if life is rough for your dog, namaste take him to Dog Yoga. It's yoga for dogs. Dog Yoga. For more, see DogYoga.com. Right then, we're looking ahead to this weekend's Premier League action against Watford, and I'm going to talk through a tube for a minute. Hello, one sec, here we go. Now I'm talking through a tube, and I'm not making my voice any different at all. 
Yeah, it's it's just what happens when you talk into a tube. You can't talk normally into a tube. The minute you put the tube up, your voice goes a little bit funny like this. So, I won't talk into the tube anymore. But we're playing Watford, and they beat us a few weeks ago, which makes them wankers in my eyes. You know, just because I'm a small, petty, holdy-grudgy kind of guy. I mean, it wasn't really their fault that they won. I mean, that guy could have not smashed it into the top corner if he'd been considerate enough, but, you know, I could see why he wanted to do that. And mostly it was down to us not being very good on the day. And uh, that's why we're hoping that this Everton game, this slightly new system that we've got, will, um, will work again. That would be good. It would be terrible if that was just like a flash in the pan. That would be really upsetting. We've been through enough this season. Come on. Sorted out. 3 p.m. kickoff. And as we said uh, earlier, a bit of team news. Well, I don't know that anybody's back uh, for the weekend. Petr Cech was supposed to be, but Arsene Wenger said he's going back to normal training. It's too early to say if he'll be available for the weekend. He might be a bit short to be competitive. No, he's talking about Cech and not David Ospina. That's right. Uh, So we wait and see um, if Ospina is in any shape to play. He got battered. He got beaten up in every game that he played for Colombia during the international break. Every 10 minutes, he had to get treatment. He lay on the ground for a while. First his back, his shoulders, his thighs, his shins, his gooch. He's got a bruised gooch, which uh, very much affects your goal kicking. So we'll have to wait and see if he can do any of that. But like we said, we're looking for a miracle. We're looking to win eight games. We're looking for other teams to do bad things to themselves and to each other, I guess, is what we're looking for. But all we can do is win our own games, and uh, that starts tomorrow against Watford. So what else is there to say about it other than just fucking win? Like, don't lose. Don't draw. Win. That's some deep-thinking strategic tactical analysis right there. Yeah. Invert that fucking pyramid, motherfuckers. So I, I don't know what else to say other than thank you, as always, for listening. Much appreciated. If you want to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be great too. We were number one on iTunes a couple of weeks ago. That was cool. Thanks a million. Really appreciate that. All the downloads. Tell your friends, if you've got friends that are Arsenal fans that don't listen to this podcast, enrich their lives by telling them all about it. Give them a gift-wrapped Arsecast. Sounds worse than it actually is. You know, we'll be here on Monday, James and I, to look back at the weekend's action, to look at what happens against Watford with the Arsecast Extra on Monday. Uh, I'll be back next Friday with another Arsecast. And, uh, you know, until then, have a great weekend. And let's hope Arsenal can, you know, win and shit. Catch you next time. Cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs>